Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Corumbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And, uh, Jim, let's begin with our good martini, as we usually do. Jerry Nadler is a New York Democratic congressman who's also chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And he needs more toner in his copier or his printer because he is issuing subpoenas at a ridiculous rate right now. Not just Don McGahn, not just Attorney General William Barr. Now he's going after Hope Hicks and another woman who was on the White House staff. I think Ann Donaldson is her name. And maybe, just maybe now, he's going to go after Robert Mueller himself. You know, the one that the Democrats actually thought was going to be the linchpin to bringing down the Trump presidency. Well, maybe not so much because he's not even going to give them the sound bites they want potentially in a congressional hearing. This is yesterday. Manu Raju of CNN uh, tweets this out. News. Special counsel Robert Mueller's team has expressed reticence to him testifying publicly in front of the House Judiciary Committee, according to sources familiar with the matter. His team has expressed that he does not want to appear political. And then in the larger story, it says special counsel Robert Mueller's team Again, has expressed reticence, doesn't want to appear political after staying behind the scenes for two years and not speaking as he conducted his investigation into President Trump. One option is to have him testify behind closed doors, but sources caution numerous options are being considered in the negotiations between the committee and the special counsel's team. Justice officials are generally supportive of how the special counsel's team is proceeding with negotiations. As Attorney General Barr told the Wall Street Journal last week, it's Bob's call whether he wants to testify. And Morrissey thinks going behind closed doors is still going to end up being political because whatever he says will get chopped up and leaked in a matter of minutes. And even if he goes and testifies on the Senate side where Republicans run the show, it's still going to turn into a circus. So, Jim, what do you make of Mueller uh, pretty much not wanting anything to do with this, it seems? Yeah, this is a remarkably surprising development. When the report came out, I figured you'd get at some point some sort of hearing, some sort of moment where members of Congress, either in the House or Senate, would be uh, asking Mueller questions and follow-ups and things like that. I also didn't think you'd hear too much from Mueller in personal testimony that uh, was different from the report or was adding that much more significant to it. I think if it was significant, he would put it in there. And that, that you know, Mueller had a lengthier report. We've heard all the arguments about the redactions. But, you know, my attitude is if you're Mueller and you're the special counsel and you've got something to say about the president's behavior, whether he broke the law or somehow other did something that approaches the kind of vague definition of high crimes and misdemeanors, you'd put it in the report. <laughs> you know, what are you waiting for the sequel? I mean, it's kind of, you know, you'd figure it'd be in there. But nonetheless, I, I suspected also Democrats wanted to have it on video. They wanted to have the, uh, I'd use the Perry Mason moment, but Perry Mason was a defense attorney who kept getting his clients off. So some sort of the law and order moment, you know, where, where Sam Waterston is up there and he shows the, the spectacular evidence that convinces people of the guilt indisputably. Um, and looking over at CNN, where Chris Saliza says it's possible the whole he doesn't want to be political thing is simply cover for discomfort with answering some questions and becoming his way. Uh, why didn't you offer a recommendation on obstruction of justice? If there was no precedent that a sitting president can't be indicted, would you have charged Trump? Do you think you know, Attorney General Barr misled the public about your conclusions in his initial summary? And maybe that's it. But I, I think that this, the quickest and easiest way of looking at this, or, or kind of the, the simplest way, is to say Robert Mueller said what he had to say. And you can interpret that you know, part two of his report as a 
uh, roadmap to impeachment, if you like. I think it's, it says I think it says a great deal that Mueller did not use the I word in his report. He recognized that that's not his job. That's the job of Congress, and his job is to gather the evidence, lay it all out, just say what conclusions he's come to, and then leave it in the hands of Congress and let them decide. My suspicion is, is that a lot of people in the Democrats would want to get Mueller saying some version of either. Yes, I think this warrants impeachment or yes, you should impeach the president or Trump's got to go or Democrats 2020. They would want to push him in that direction. And my suspicion is that Robert Mueller, being the old school guy that he is, believes this is not his role to get into this sort of thing. So maybe he's really going to insist upon this either being behind closed doors or perhaps not even testifying at all. Uh, And you got to figure that for the Trump administration, that is a big improvement over the idea of this giant uh, you know, Comey testifying 2.0 type big dramatic showdown on Capitol Hill. And I think also makes the case for impeachment a little bit tougher if you don't have Mueller on camera laying it all out and making the argument for it. Again, I think my suspicion is that if Mueller really believed that this was, you know, a slam dunk decision that required impeachment, uh, he would be eager to go out and do that. The fact that he doesn't want to do that suggests to me uh, he believes it's not his decision to make and that Congress has to decide its own path on this. How uh, funny will it be if Jerry Nadler tries to subpoena Bob Mueller? Well, I observed, you know, late in the morning jolt today, Greg, remember when De Niro was playing him on SNL as the ultimate (laughs) tough guy who wasn't afraid of anything and all that kind of stuff? My suspicion is uh, that Mueller's reputation at some point when all is said and done, Mueller will get a giant painful course correction in his reputation and people will start complaining that he wimped out or they dropped the ball or that he somehow didn't do what he needed to do. Because Democrats were counting on him basically making the, you know, making the argument in favor of impeachment. Speaking of thoroughly destroyed reputations, let's move to our bad martini now, Jim. And uh, we go to Virginia, where it was just at the very end of January that we learned that Virginia Governor Ralph Northam had a curious entry on his 1984 yearbook page for the Eastern Virginia Medical School. And that's where, of course, uh, we saw the picture of one person in blackface, one person in a Klansman hood, and Ralph Northam apologized for being insensitive and being part of that, and then lo and behold, the next day said that, oh, actually, I've vigorously remembered that uh, that wasn't me. There's been an investigation now. Here is NBC News. An independent investigation into a racist photo on Virginia Governor Ralph Northam's 1984 medical school yearbook page, quote, could not conclusively determine whether he is one of the two people in the picture, according to the findings released Wednesday. While investigators noted that Northam has made, quote, inconsistent public statements about whether he participated in the photo, which features a person in blackface and another in a Ku Klux Klan robe, they were unable to find anyone who could shed light on the image on the governor's personal page in his medical school yearbook. Quote, no individual that we interviewed has told us from personal knowledge that the governor is in the photograph, and no individual with knowledge has come forward to us to report that the governor is in the photograph, investigators said in their 36-page report. In addition, investigators said they found no information that the racist image was placed on Northam's personal page in error or, for another reason, not at his direction. They could also not determine the photo's origin, although investigators said those we interviewed thought the photograph may have occurred at a Halloween party, you think, or perhaps a costume party with the theme of odd couples or opposites. Uh, Jim, I'm not sure whether this investigation lasted 15 minutes or 20, but uh, we have zero conclusions from this thing. And the fact is that if uh, nobody came forward to say, oh, no, that's not Ralph, that's Phil and Dave. I uh, I remember those guys. <laughs> nobody saying that. He's probably in there. 
You know, Greg, it's amazing it takes 64 pages to say, yeah, we couldn't figure anything out. <laughs> now, the, the thing is, I, I have a forthcoming corner post on this, and, and I really want to tweak the universe. Like, as far as I can tell, this was in a genuine investigation. This was independent, but you almost wonder if it's worth releasing if you can come to so few conclusions about anything. One of the things that kind of struck me is, you know, so it apparently just happened. It, it just appeared one day. Um, so I think, you know, I, I was trying to think about other things that are kind of, they're important, they're significant, but nobody can really explain them. And Greg, what came to my mind were the Easter Island statues, <laughs> the crystal skulls, put, put aside the Indiana Jones movie, the actual phenomenon of crystal skulls and people wonder how they were, uh, how they were carved and things like that. The Voynich manuscript, uh, the Antikythera mechanism. <laughs> Uh, I'm getting really into my obscure X-Files and Indiana Jonesy type stuff. But anyway, all these mysterious artifacts that no one on Earth can possibly explain. Now we can add Ralph Northam's medical school yearbook photos. I mean, it's worth understanding. Look, give him credit. This goes back all the way to that ancient era of the mid-1980s. And look, it's just there's no way to imagine how anybody could possibly know from that far back how this could happen and how it got there, who's in it. Greg, how in the world could something like that end up on the page of a guy who says his nickname was Coon Man? It's a mystery. It's, you know, it's just beyond that. I mean, to me, this struck me as the most enigmatic and baffling image to spontaneously appear since the Shroud of Turin. And I realize half the people are now Googling what all those are. <laughs> this is what's taking up space in my head, dear listeners, instead of, you know, things I actually need to know. Um, but then, you know, this is deeply frustrating, not that shocking. Um, if there's any one kind of intriguing conclusion in it, it's that apparently the school knew about this for several elections now. Uh, two medical school presidents, including the current president, were told about the racist photo while Northam was running for office, and they chose to not make it public. So the lesson we, the lesson we can take from all this, Greg, the lesson is we all must stand up to racism. Unless it could jeopardize the election chances of an alumni, because that, in that case, you just pretend you didn't see it and ignore it and hope it goes away. Yes, he's still in office, uh, basically because, as we've mentioned before, the lieutenant governor and the attorney general are also uh, facing scandal. The attorney general with his blackface scandal of his own and the lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, facing two different sexual assault allegations. So therefore, Ralph Northam gets to stay. And I don't usually encourage people to click on the actual stories that we're using for this, but we're using NBC News, the headline, Unclear of Virginia Governor Northam Post and Racist Yearbook Picture Investigation Finds. The photo is a picture of Northam at his February 2nd press conference trying to explain why he actually wasn't in the photo, even though he said he was the day before. The look on his wife's face next to him while he's giving this, why don't you believe me like pose, is <laughs> fantastic. I highly encourage everyone to look photo at Photo of the year. Yes. All right. Let's move on to our crazy martini now. Jim, yesterday we were talking about human waste of one kind on the streets of San Francisco and how 70 plus million dollars a year to clean it up still isn't enough. But Washington state is going a step farther. CNN, Washington has become the first state in the nation to pass a law allowing composting as an alternative to burial or cremation of human remains. Governor Jay Inslee signed a bill Tuesday legalizing human composting, and the bill will go into effect in May next year. Currently in Washington, bodies can be either cremated or buried. The process of recomposition provides a third option that speeds up the process of turning dead bodies into soil, a practice colloquially known as human composting. The bill describes the process as a contained, accelerated conversion of human remains 
to soil. The way it works, according to Katrina Spade, CEO of Recompose, is, quote, the body is covered in natural materials like straw or wood chips. And over the course of about three to seven weeks, thanks to microbial activity, it breaks down into soil. So, Jim, to dust we shall return, I guess. Uh, <laughs> or wood chips. I don't know. One or the other. Yeah. Uh, I got a response from one of our regular listeners. I think it was Tevi. He said, uh, we should emphasize of yesterday's podcast, we were talking about human feces on the streets of San Francisco, not dog feces. Um, you know, everybody, every neighborhood's got issues with, you know, it's one guy who doesn't clean up after his dog. No, no, we're talking about people pooping in the streets in San Francisco, but suddenly that doesn't look so bad <laughs> now that we've got Soylent Compost making its <laughs> debut up in Seattle. Look, there are times where people say that there's kind of an anti-humanist attitude in some corners of the environmental movement. When you look at your fellow citizens and say, hmm, there's good fertilizer right there. That strikes me <laughs> as it's a little bit creepy. Yeah, just a, just an odd. Also, out of all the topics you'd figure would come up in the 2020 presidential campaign cycle, human compost was was not up there. That uh, we're, we're already going in some pretty bizarre directions, and it's not even June of 2019, never mind 2020. I, I suppose I should give Inslee credit for finding a unique niche issue. <laughs> I, I just prefer my political rhetoric to be less focused on decay. Am I strange in that way, Greg? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, you've got uh, so many different people on stage, and it's yet to be determined if Jay Inslee will be one of them. He hasn't hit anywhere close to the donor mark necessary to reach that first debate. But can't you just see him up there going, and none of you people have even proposed legislation for human composting. I got it done. For a guy who's yeah. basing his whole campaign on climate change, <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah, I was going to say, look, we've heard a lot of campaigns where the guy's running, but it's pretty obvious he's going nowhere. Nobody's excited. Dead, he's, you know, down near the bottom of the pole. Sometimes you hear the expression, dead man walking. And I guess under the Inslee plan, we know what happens to that, huh, Greg? <laughs> Last paragraph of the CNN story. Human composting supporter Leslie Christian told KIRO that it's an attractive option from an environmental perspective. She said a lot of people approve of the process, including her brother, who told her he wants his soil to be used to plant tomatoes. Jim, would you want those on your salad? I'm not sure I would. <laughs> My brother put a little bit of himself into everything he made. <laughs> the secret ingredient is people. <laughs> Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. <laughs> Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And tune in again Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.